All right. We are here at the Biohacking Conference in Orlando, Florida. I'm here with Mr. Bo Easton. I'm Dallas McLean of Biohackers Magazine. We're excited to talk about biohacking, health, and coaching and all of those good yeah. things. Bo, welcome. Uh, thank you. I love this. One of my favorite events. Dave is, you know, I've known him for years. Yeah. And he used to come to my events and, you know, learn to tell his story there. Yeah. Uh, when he was, you know, building Bulletproof and... Uh, the coffee. Yeah. yeah. And so it's been, uh, it's been amazing. And I, I just love this. I love the mindset of the people here. Right. Right. Yeah. And I spoke this morning and then yesterday and it's, it was a blast. That's great. And when you were talking about the events that Dave used to come to of, of your side, yeah. let's take talk a little bit about your history. You're a former NFL athlete. Now you're a coach. You're helping other people reach those uh, boundaries and break through those boundaries to become better people. So when you were doing those types of shows and Dave was coming to those, what did those entail? That when I met Dave, it was, I was training people to tell their story, their personal story, which is what Dave does. Yeah. Actually, as he built Bulletproof. Mm -hmm. Because I've always had this, I was trained to tell stories just because after football, I, I wrote a Broadway play, right? So uh, I had to perform that play. So I was the only guy in it and it, and it went for like 17 years. My goodness. Um, so I, I, I got trained by these great, great trainers on how to be on stage, yeah. you know, how to physically be on stage, how to, you know, deliver a certain line or content. And that's where all my training was in the theater. And I did that, like I said, like about 17 years. It was really fun. But what happened was, business people would come to the show. Like, you know, guys at Wall Street would come to the show with their wife. Right. They didn't know what they were going to see. They, they thought they were, you know, going to a play, <laughs> which they were. Yeah. But they would often come backstage and go, hey, can you bring this to our business, to our company? And my wife and I at the time were like, no, this is a theater play. Yeah. And they would say, well, we would like our people to be able to do what you do on stage, tell their story so they can improve sales and grow their business. So anyway, that's what it, it kind of morphed into. To, and that's when I met Dave. Dave came on. He said, wow, I need to be able to tell my personal story. I just didn't even know it was necessary. Yeah. And so he came in. We started working together, did one of my events, and uh, then been buddies ever since. That's got to be I don't know, seven, eight, nine years maybe. And uh, and so that's how it all kind of began. So with the play, can you talk about the main message and the takeaway that would get people to want to bring that into their circle of community? Yeah, that it's a great question because at first we didn't know why they wanted us. Because, you know, you're doing a theme play. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the play got bought as a movie also. So then it, it got bought as a, by a very famous guy named Frank Darabont, who wrote and directed The Shawshank Redemption. Green oh, Man. right. Yeah. So he bought it as a movie, right? So we were like, what do people want? Why are these organizations coming to us wanting a play? And we thought it was because it motivated them or inspired them. But eventually we kept asking, well, why do you want us? Right. What do you want from what we're doing in this play? And they said, we want our people people to be able to do what you do when they're offering our products, when they're making speeches, when they're giving presentations. Mm -hmm. We want them to have what you have on stage. How did you get that? To tell a story, the ability to tell a story. That's right. And, and the physicality of storytelling is very big in the way I was trained. Yeah. And that's how I, I train people also is most people, you know, talk with their mouth. And so they, and we're kind of conditioned in this, in this world to look at people as talking heads and just talking their mouth is moving, but but nothing else. Mm. Well, that's ineffective. You know, you don't trust people, what people say. I mean, the statistics tell us that you just don't trust what people say. Trust them about 50%. Mm. But you trust their body 100% of the time. So I was really trained by these two guys to do this Broadway show to be 
physical so that nobody could look away from you. No one could go to the bathroom. No one could open candy. They didn't want to miss anything. They, yeah. they, they promised me that if I did what they were, were coaching me to do, that that would be the case. And it, it, it turned out to be exactly true. Wow. So, and that's what organizations, companies, you know, speakers, that's what they wanted to learn because they figured out that, man, our sales force could make so many more closes if they can physicalize their own personal story, have training from this guy, me, and, and they'll be able to sell more or they'll be able to ask for more money or they'll be able to win a political you know, office mm -hmm. or they'll be a better speaker. That's where it all began. And that's what you focus on now? With that's what, what I do doing? now. Okay. Yeah. So training companies and individuals to really be able to tell a story and captivate the audience. That's right. Okay. That's right. And the promise that we make is the same promise that was made to me was we, we brought in this, my director of the show was a theater guy, right? So he didn't know anything about sports and I didn't know anything about theater. Yeah. But we kind of met halfway because he brought in a guy who was a physicality coach, a, a movement coach. So this guy coaches, you know, not only actors, you know, great performers, but dancers, uh, uh, musicians, uh, rock and roll bands. Yeah. Um, he also trains, of all people, the FBI and the CIA agents who have to infiltrate the cells over in the in the Middle East because the body is what betrays you. It's not because people don't believe. Like I said earlier, they just don't believe. They don't trust what comes out of your mouth. They trust your body 100% of the time. Yeah. So what happens with a ballet dancer, a musician, a speaker, a politician is what they do is they, they start speaking and they're fine. Right. But if they have no physicality or no relation to their the expression of this instrument we have called, yeah. the, you know, this body of, right. of expression, if they have no relationship with that, people will just turn them off. Kind of like you turn off and probably everybody listening or, or, or reading this article. Um, we turn off talking heads. We don't trust them. We don't believe them anymore. So if you watch the news, if you watch politicians, if you watch, you know, people on TV talking behind a desk or behind a podium, automatically you can't hear what they're saying and you don't trust them because you can't see their body. And you tune out. You're out. Yeah. And, and so it's the body that is necessary. And that's what, you know, Dave went through that kind of training. So I put all of my people through that kind of training. Would you say there are naturals when it comes to speakers like that? Or do they also have to prepare and get the training in to really learn how to have some certain stage presence? Yeah, talk their body? I would say not necessarily naturals, but if people have a background in performance, mm -hmm. so it helps. Young age, from a young age or something. Yeah, yeah, it helps. Like if you're a saxophone player, if you're a guitar player, if you play the drums, if you've yeah. danced before, yeah. if you've been in front of people, if you were a quarterback, um, you you, you, you're, if you're a performer, you're used to being coached and you're used to being told what to do. Like stand over there and move here and do this, mm -hmm. A, B, and C. And they yeah. just do it. Yeah. They don't think. They just, yeah. Yeah. Those people are easy to coach. It's not that the other ones can't be effective. Mm -hmm. It's just you got to wrestle with them a little bit because if they're in their head too much, you got to get them lower. You got to get them down here because this is what people trust, not that. Right. So you've got to get like engineers, like left brain people, doc, a lot of, lot of scientists. Yeah. They're very left brain. So they want to get up here and get really technical with you. Well, that doesn't move the dial um, as far as expressing yourself, right? right? So I work with a lot of those people too, financial advisors, because they're so left brain. But once they learn to get down into their heart and into their uh, solar plexus, then they can really blow up their business. Their business goes explodes because they're what they're talking about is money or science, but they're able to be personal with it. They're able to be physical with it. Yeah. And that's what really, really uh, makes the businesses just really grow. So talking about how to train them and, and some precepts to the training, are there hacks or types of habits or actions that you'll try to get the individual to incorporate into their daily life to really open themselves up to be able to have this yeah. presence? 
Yeah, I really treat them like athletes because, you know, if you're in front of people and speaking in front of them, mm-hmm. if you take the approach of an athlete, it's so much better because athletes, especially very high-end athletes, um, they don't do anything that doesn't work. They don't have time. Mm-hmm. Like if you're trying to beat Usain Bolt in the 100 meters, you don't have any time to eat something or or train at something that does not make you faster. than. So your life becomes simple and lean. Um, if you can get, and I do this, I get them to have this athletic mindset so that they activate their body because this is the instrument of expression mm-hmm. and it's the greatest one that's ever been created, right? I mean, it really is. We just don't use it because we're lazy and we're, we've been kind of taught to not use our body mm-hmm. and we've been kind of shamed out of this expression of this thing. And as soon as you give people permission to remember who they are, what Mother Nature has given them, they're like a kid in a candy store. They explode. Uh, So if you can get them in that that athletic mindset of, I am going, I'm not going to run the 100 meters against Usain Bolt without a proper warm-up, pregame meal, uh, practice, coach, trainer, you know, massage. Yeah. If you get them in that mindset, that, that's that's how elite performance should be in speaking, too. Right. If you really want to. Those disciplined choices. Yes. Yeah. And so we get them in that mindset. Then we, we capture their story. Their, and the most personal story, too. And the one that doesn't feel great. Because those are the ones that move the dial the most. Yeah. No one wants to tell them, but they're the ones that connect you with the audience the best. Right. Everyone wants to tell their successful story right right and you think like oh that that'd be cool i'll just tell i'm really successful i was an nfl player what well, no one gives a crap yeah. people care about how when did you get rejected like what happened to you after they cut you yeah well that's what i want to know it's about like you. ego versus humility yeah right? those stories yeah and that's really what oh, human beings connect to is pain mm-hmm. funny enough rather than the success yeah you're so right the how many <laughs> times have we heard about it in the biohacking industry pain to purpose stories yep those are where people find out where their true destiny lies. Yep. So let's talk a little bit about your your NFL history and some of the actions or things that you might have done to keep yourself fit and ready yeah. with, for the playing field. Yeah, I mean, I played in the 80s, right? So there was, we didn't even know this term called biohacking, right? Right, yeah. But there were guys, the most elite athletes, even of that time, were dipping their toes into like, what? Like I remember getting in ice when back when no one, you know, I didn't know any, but the, When I got drafted in the pros, so I played in high school, played in college, never been in an ice bath in my life. The first day of practice in the NFL, I noticed that the most elite players on our team, right after practice, would go into an ice tub. Mm -hmm. So it was very like rudimentary back then, right? It was just ice and water. Yeah. And these guys would get in. That's how and it started. You know? Yeah. And I was like, what the heck are they doing? Yeah. But I noticed the rookies didn't do it and the lesser players didn't do it. But the older guys did it and the elite players did it. So I go, well, I'm doing that. Yeah. And Smart. they go, rookie, you want to last? Get your ass in the ice. And I was like, in there with my, in there all the way. Yeah. I mean, it was ice. These guys were this deep in it. How, how long would they stay in there? About? You know, the older they were, they seemed to stay longer. <laughs> Take a nap. <laughs> but us rookies, we'd get in, we'd immediately jump out just like everybody yeah. does, right? Yeah. But you got, you, you learn that, wow, I can really practice the next day so much better. I can recover so much better. We didn't call it recovery back then. We just said, wow, my legs feel fresh yeah. where they didn't before. That was my first experience experience of, you know, biohacking and what we call it today. Right, right. And as, you know, Dave and I became friends and, you know, with the whole, you know, uh, bulletproof area and then moving into, you know, this, what we're doing here today, um, 
I just keep adding these things. And I have kids who are athletes, right? So daily, like this morning, I'm on my phone because my daughter's at a volleyball uh, tournament in Arizona. My son is a big time, you know, he's 16 years old, but he's a quarterback at a school in um, in LA. Nice. And, you know, my brother was a quarterback in the NFL. And so, you know, we're old enough to know, wow, you know, if we only could recover better back in the 80s, we could have played longer. Yeah. Meaning more money, right? right? right. Meaning longer longevity and, you know, building a family earlier. Also the enjoyment. You loved playing the game. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you could just play it longer. Back when I played, the the average career span was less than two years. In your kids. Yeah. Two years? Yeah. And I got drafted in 1984. So less than two years. That's if you made a team, which is, you know, yeah. nearly Arts impossible. Yeah, yeah. So the, the odds of you making the team is impossible. And the odds of you lasting long enough to get to your second contract is damn near no one can do it yeah. because it takes four years, right? You got to get to that fourth year. Yeah. Um, so me and my brother, my brother played nine years. I played five years, which, so we were like old men in the league yeah. at 27, you know? <laughs> but today, yeah. as you notice, Guys have really learned, they, they put recovery up front where we didn't even know the word, but if we did know the word, we would have put it in the back. Right, right. And and that's been the pu- the biggest shift that I learned from not only playing and performing, I learned it when I was on Broadway, because on Broadway, you, you're performing seven to eight shows per week, Man. and it's so physical and demanding. I thought football was hard. Yeah. It w- and your voice and your whole body and the breathing instrument. It's taxing. You're, yeah. And since I had seven knee surgeries when I played, my like legs were just, yeah, just, you know, they were tough. It was tough to get through those shows. So in between shows, I really learned, you know, and this was in the 90s, so we still weren't at this level. Yeah. But ice and, you know, massage. And um, I remember getting, you know, uh, chiropractic hyperderm, you know, hype, what do you call it when they poke you with the needles? What's that called? Acupuncture. Acupuncture. Yeah. Getting that all the time. And just being able to survive those weeks yeah. on Broadway because the runs can go six, eight, ten weeks a year wow. where every day you got to be up there right. and give it them all you got. You know what I loved about what you just said is the evolution of biohacking where you didn't call it biohacking, but you were still dipping your toes in and yeah. everything and everyone's learning. And now we're at a point where athletes can't afford not to do yeah. these types of things. Yeah. It, even to be in the league, you know, oh, yeah. as, as an example, the NFL. And now you, you're talking about your children and their athletes and everything. I can only imagine what they're going to do when, you know, they get to that stage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Their mindset, because I, I went through it myself and my kids were young coming up and at the same time that they were coming up as athletes, mm-hmm. the biohacking industry was, ex, you know, growing like till, till, it, till it is um, today. Right. Well, everything that I was learning, um, I was passing on to them. So they, their mindset is recovery first days off first which ours was never that way yeah so our schedule goes our schedule used to go practice our butts off game practice our butts off game right <laughs> and theirs is recovery practice game recovery yeah. practice recovery game recovery recovery is all over the place yeah totally different Total, nutrition's different uh you know uh, uh body work that they get they like tom brady i mean i just think he was the kind of one of the the, the guys and the most successful guy. Yeah. For us players, knowing he, watching him play that long, we're all just shaking our heads going, yeah. there's no way he could do that. There's well, no not way. just that long, but at that level. Right. Like so long. Yeah. yeah. He was the first guy that t- took that on. Yeah. As a superstar player, he really took that on, that sleep, that no drinking. Like, he doesn't drink during the season. Like, nothing. Yeah. He goes to bed at 7 o'clock. I mean, no yeah. wonder the dude won seven Super Bowls. Yeah, you know? Yeah. It's um, like there's no accident.
coincidence. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Very so true. my kids benefit from this whole, you know, recovery thing. And, and it's the first thing on the schedule. And I, I often tell them, I go, you guys, we didn't even, I didn't even know that word was a word when I was playing. Yeah. And now it's the first word. Yeah. And I think um, nowadays, I think people are building into their contract. Athletes should build it in their contract. Like, look, a million dollars off the top is going to getting this body yeah. ready for the game. Invest in your health. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. And if people like civilians, just regular people like that are out here in the halls. Yeah. If they would treat their life like that, I know that people here at biohacking are obviously doing that. But if if the if the whole culture did that, imagine imagine what we what we would have medically, yeah. health wise. Imagine the dreams yeah. that would come true that are never going to come true because no one's going to last long enough to achieve them. You know, they're just not going to. Yeah. I always think about that. I always think about oh, so there's a there's a bunch of occupations out here in our country and in the world that would that would go away like that if everybody took one step toward their dream and their that the health of that dream because yeah. you can't people have dreams but if you don't have the health to fulfill on it well, it's there's no dream right it's like that quote that says like if you don't spend the time and money to invest in your health today you're going to be using that time and money on your sickness yep. later on oh yeah and then well, how do you focus on your dream when you have to focus on the sickness? that's exactly right I've, I've heard a doctor friend of mine a naturopath says you can pay me now or you can pay the medical industry later there you go but you're going to pay yeah one way or another <laughs> right. someone's getting that money one way or another that's true so tell me a little bit about what you're doing now and how your approach is different from some of the other big coaching industries out there. you mean what i'm doing in my business and or what, what i'm doing, doing in your business oh sorry. in my business so i i think this physicality uh or the reintroduction of this physicality that cause here's what I, I mainly am known for this because i this is the way i was trained and i kind of understood it as an athlete okay um everybody's so ashamed and has been indoctrinated to apologize for their physicality for their body and how much room they take up and what this thing represents so this thing has been taught to be average and mediocre and don't do anything stand on the sidelines and don't express anything with this body. Well, this instrument that we have is the most expressive thing God ever put on the planet. And if we use it like they're asking us to use it, like, you know, the news and the education system and, you know, the world at large, yeah. we're going to all send up, end up sitting in a cubicle, overweight, you know, watching t watching other people move. And um, that is what I, I'm, I, I think that people come to me and want to be great and build their business and the physicality piece that, with their personal story put together like if you mesh those two things, because your story is great, but if you're just a talking head, your story doesn't move the dial. People don't trust what you say. Yeah. They can connect to your body because the body can't lie. So that gives them trust and intimacy with you and they don't even know you. So those two things, the personal story and the and the, the bridging, or I should say the rebridging of that because our ancestors had it. They knew how to express their body physically. And that's how other tribes knew not to come in and, and cross our territory. They knew not to hunt on your uh, uh, land. And a you didn't have to say a lot back then. Your physicality said everything. Well, I teach people to do that on stage and in front of a camera. And once they get that, once they surrender to what they what they already are, everything happens for them. Yeah. And, they, and funny enough, like I don't train people in relationship, but that's the feedback I get all the time. It's like, oh, wow. I'm like all these ladies now are interested in me or all these men now are coming up and asking me out after your training. And they go, why is that? And I go, because 
you have you are who you are. You're not walking around closing yourself off, having all these physical expressions that keep people away from you. You're actually open, like human beings are. Yeah. And so that one thing uh, is huge, uh, especially for guys like Dave. I mean, that's why I'm here at biohacking. Really, yeah. is because I trained Dave, and he's built companies based on his story and the physicality of the story, mm. right? Yeah. And the physicality that he doesn't have anymore, the 300 pounds. So he used to be 300 pounds. So he used to walk around with that physicality. Well, when he tells that story, all we do is visualize him at 300 pounds and go, how could this dude be 300 pounds when that's what's in front of me today? Right. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. That makes people uh, trust you. Right. And if trust is our low, is at its lowest level it's ever been, which it is. Discusses. Yeah. What What better way? What What's the quickest way to rebuild trust? You have to share yourself and you have to physically be trusted. Yeah. You have to impart that, that reality in a sense that they can connect. With. That's right. Otherwise, they're just moving on. They're turning the channel. Yeah. Just like you and I do when we watch, you know, people talk on the news or politicians or whoever. Right. We don't trust them. We don't believe them. And, uh, you know, in the medical world, we don't believe them anymore either. So we're like in the exact right spot for where we are in the world. Like most people I go, look, uh, trust is at its lowest level. And they go, oh, that's depressing. And I'm like, not for us. That's it. That's a great opportunity for us to lead. Because if the rest of the world is going to shut this thing down and not express themselves physically yeah. and not tell their story, not share them their vision, then we're the leaders. Yeah. That just means we have to rise <laughs> to the opportunity. That's right. Right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. A couple more last questions. What's your favorite biohack? The, the one that I do the most is is uh, cold plunge. Cold plunges. Okay. Yeah. Right. Interesting because you've had that experience with the ice. Bags. Yeah, I know. Right. It's my oldest one too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, I have a cold plunge cool. and um, I was just talking to the sauna people out, outside because my wife and I are shopping for a, a cool sauna. We, I, I've done them. We just don't own one. So yeah. we're, we're going to get one. Cool. And I've just always, I always get my blood work done and I'm always out in front because I'm 62. So I'm always out in front because when I was playing, get check this out. You're not going to believe this. Um, the average, the lifespan of an NFL player, if you played one snap in the NFL, one play really? was 55. With the, so I learned this when I was 21, right? So I'm thinking 55 is an old, I'm never yeah. going to be there anyway, yeah. right? Yeah, I'm never going to make it to 55, <laughs> but now I'm 62. Yeah. So I've always stayed out in front of all the brain work. Yeah. Hyperbaric. I do a lot. I get a lot of body work. I'm constantly, constantly upgrading everything that I've got. Nutrition. Um, you know, I know all my sensitivities. I know all my weaknesses. Yeah. Cutting out certain foods, adding this, not this. So my wife and I are constantly doing that and our kids, you know, benefit from it. They don't like it all the time. But they've <laughs> yeah. learned to. Right. So, right. Um, I, and and crazy enough, uh, we, 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 we had a reunion of my, uh, when I played for the Houston Oilers, we had a reunion recently, okay. a few years ago. And that was telling, like that was striking. Because I, you know, you once you stop playing together, you don't really see each other, you know, that much. Mm -hmm. Very rare. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of the guys like me, great, like healthy, you know, have a great marriage, have great kids, um, building a company. Yeah. And then I would say maybe 50, 60% just a wreck. Or either don't show up. Yeah. 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 And you can tell that they're living the same lifestyle as we did in the 80s. Like, you know, drinking and, you know, when you're a football player, you're mostly you're single. And so you're dating and you're all over them and you're drinking, you're going to parties, you're eating bad because we yeah. didn't know and you're not getting any recovery. But you're 21 and you're an elite athlete. You can kind of survive yeah, for a minute. You take it for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But you could 
really tell the difference at this reunion of the guys who changed their lifestyle mm -hmm. and moved into what we're talking about today uh, and then the guys who did. It was uh, completely apparent by the way they walked, by the way they slurred their speech or not, mm -hmm. their cognitive uh, stuff, their bellies, 100%. Yeah. It was just completely shocking to see somebody that you used to be so intimidated by or was such a great guy. Yeah. And it's not that he's not a great guy now, but now he's just kind of helpless. Yeah. Kind of has a walker and, mm. you know, it's, it's, that really woke me up too. Yeah. yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. Well, Bo, I've had a great time here today talking with you and I've learned a lot. I'm sure everyone listening has learned a lot and I would love to do this again sometime. Cool. So thank you. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Can you uh, let everyone know uh, how to find out more information about you and your, I know you wrote a book recently. You know? Yeah. So yeah. please. Yeah. I have a book and there it's called, uh, there's no, uh, there's no plan B for your A game. And uh, it's actually a great book. It's an eight time bestseller. Wow. It's really good. Uh, cool. I like it. I'm a surprise when I, when I read it, I go, shit, did I write that? <laughs> um, so I have that. And if they go to boeason.com, okay. they can see the events that I do and the training that I do and the, the storytelling and physicality and all that. Um, Very cool. It'd be great. I'm sure they'll check that out. Cool. All right. Dallas Thanks, McLean signing off with Bo Eason. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right.